the river. And that's all I know. You don't know the next line. <laughs> I don't know any no. other lines. I should I look that up? Hello, welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And I'm Wesley. <laughs> that was a great way to start the episode. That yeah, beautiful, was, beautiful voice of yours. Uh, thank you. I'm, it's just angelic at this point. Yeah. You gotta, gotta do the Sam Cooke. You gotta, gotta get all the lines, man. You gotta know the, lo- the song. I, I know I need to know the rest of the I'm lines. I love the way he says born, though, because he's like, born by the river. <laughs> all right. So um, on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Regina King's directorial debut, One Night in Miami. Woo! Lots of thoughts on it. Absolutely incredible movie. Incredible directorial debut as well. Incredible cast. Yeah. Lots of incredible things. It's pretty much just all around incredible. But mm-hmm. uh, before we get into that, we're going to let's briefly talk about WandaVision. Yeah, we started watching WandaVision with everyone else. Um, and we are three episodes in. Is that right? There's th- yeah, three, yeah. Three has come out. Yeah. Three have come out. And um, I have to disagree with what a lot of people are saying. They're like, the first two episodes were slow. I didn't like them. I really liked them. I thought they were a lot of fun. Um, it's always I always like it when uh, sitcoms or things like that make fun of older sitcoms. Like TV shows make fun of old TV shows. And I think they encapsulate the 50s sitcoms so well. Um, it's just really well done. And I think that after the third episode, I'm really in it. Like if... I, I was talking to my younger sister about it uh, when I went home tonight for supper, and uh, she had mentioned that she didn't like the first two episodes as much. She watched the third one, and she was like, it's amazing. I'm going to keep watching. I was like, I told you. Just stick stick with it. It's great. That's what everybody was saying, too, was like when the first two episodes came out, I feel like they should have released the first three. Yeah. Because that third one is where it really grabs everybody. Yeah, exactly. I was kind of struggling with the show on the first two. I was like, okay, MCU's back. Let's go, baby. And then I was like, oh, this, this is like feel really, like MCU. Yeah. yeah, this is like really sitcom-y. But I like the fact that they're doing something different. And and after sitting with it and seeing the third episode, I'm like, okay, I think I know where this is starting to go mm-hmm. and where it's starting to unravel to. I like it. I think uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany have like crazy sitcom such good chemistry such I know. good chemistry yeah it's nice to see that chemistry that was already kind of established but didn't really get to shine because of yeah lack of screen time nice yeah. to see them actually have stuff to do together and and see that relationship develop more between the characters instead of seeing vision's head get crushed like a tin can yeah there's <laughs> what's the line i think it's in the second episode where she's just like you and your impenetrable skull. She says that too. Really? Him. Yeah. Wanda says that too. I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. I didn't catch that. Yeah, no. But yeah, I mean, it's just crazy to have the MCU back. It mm-hmm. it felt. I didn't realize it had been so long. It has been a while until I heard that music kicking in again, and I was like, oh shit! Mm-hmm. It's been since like Far From Home or Endgame since this is since we've seen the MCU. Yeah, exactly. And so, I I'm really excited for where this is gonna head. Um. I love the fact that this doesn't feel like normal MCU stuff. I, I like that they're branching out and trying different things. And uh, I think this show is a perfect example of that. And I really hope that it keeps going and uh, it's really well done. But we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm very excited to see where it goes. I feel like by the time we get to like the next episode, it's going to become like quite apparent what's happening. Yeah. Because... There's, it's all in the details. There's a lot of stuff that you can really start to like dig in and pick into of like what's mm-hmm. actually going on here. Yeah. And and it's so funny because we've been watching this with with my girlfriend who hasn't seen any of the other MCU stuff aside from Doctor Strange. Uh, she's only seen Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange and WandaVision now. I'm like, oh, it's weird. That's such a weird combo. I know, but it's funny because it actually works out because she's in the next Doctor Strange movie. Oh, perfect. So, you know, she has minimal knowledge to follow along with, but she's doing okay. She can watch the next Doctor Strange movie and kind of get it. Yeah. I like the commercials that they have in this episode. Yeah. Where it gives you, like, you know, fake products, but it has, like, Hydra and stuff attached to it. Tony Stark's toaster. Yeah. Uh, uh, Agent Cruller's watch. Uh, Hydra. Hydra soak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what that, it's called. That one was funny. That's great. I love that. Um, yeah, I do. I really do like those commercials, too. It's... it. It's a fun way of making it feel even more like those uh, types of sitcoms, uh, but like blending in a bit of that MCU with it. And I also love how we're almost progressing through time, it seems. Like we started in the 50s and now we're in like the 60s, 70s. 
I'm interested to see uh, if we'll get into 80 sitcoms. Definitely will. I've heard each episode is essentially a different decade of sitcoms. That's and amazing. with Elizabeth Olsen's connection to to Full House with mm-hmm. her sisters, right? I feel like they're definitely going to poke some fun at, at Full House and everything. I I really want the intro to be like, here's a story of a girl named Wanda. Is that Brady Bunch or is that Full? That's Brady Bunch. It's Brady Bunch, yeah. Yeah. I would I would love that. Um, But we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Wait for that next episode to come out. I guess we'll have another little discussion on it when the show ends and, and give our full actual thoughts on it. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it, and I think there's a lot more that they can do from here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's fun speculating on what everything means with people online. Yeah, exactly. That's I, that's, I think, one of my favorite parts about it is finding those Easter eggs. Because unlike an MCU movie, we can have a couple Easter eggs in an MCU movie, but in an MCU TV show, you can have like three Easter eggs an episode. Um, and it's, it, it feeds into my nerd side. I'm like, yes, uh, tell me what sword is. Let me understand, uh, who his beekeeper is, all this stuff. Who is the beekeeper? I really don't know. I don't think anybody knows. The dude, sh- he showed up for one shot and just, mm-hmm. no. And then he got, oh, all right, I guess we'll see. I guess. I don't know what the bee costume really means, but we'll find out. Yeah. And um, that's. That's what's really fun about it is like hearing the voices of like people trying to communicate with her. Yeah. And I mean, there's all these little side characters throughout the community that they're in and they're all played by like expensive actors or actresses. So these are not going to be like nobodies, you know, Mm -hmm. especially Catherine Hahn. I feel like she's, yeah, she's going to be fitting into the bigger picture for Mm -hmm. sure. Definitely. But anyways, that's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's, it's nice to have the MCU back. And even though it's in a very different way than blockbuster format, it's a nice feeling. I'm liking it. I am. I'm really enjoying it. I, uh, I was kind of getting tired of the MCU formula, um, and so to have that change up with WandaVision, yep. really good. I like it. Hits. Just hits different. Hits different, and hits different in the right way. Yeah. See, I think people just need to warm up to it, because they see the MCU, and they're like, oh, MCU, I know what these movies are like, and then they see this TV show, and they're like, huh? Mm-hmm. And they aren't ready for it. But just go with the flow. Feel I- it out. I also think like a lot of people's disappointment is not the fact that they're trying new things. It's that it's been so long since we've seen regular superhero blockbusters. Yeah. I think COVID hit and then they had, you know, Black Widow was supposed to have already been released by now. Mm-hmm. So they were going to fill that gap of like Endgame vibes with Black Widow. But then that didn't end up happening. So it was like two year wait from Endgame and then a sitcom. Yeah, it's kind of a weird um, switch up. But at the same time, I'm loving it and I'm excited for... Uh, the Falcon Winter Soldier show to come out, and then is it Loki after that? Then Loki, yeah. And then What If? Yep. Cool. Very excited. I mean, it's going to be a while, but mm-hmm. very excited. They're going to pump this out. Like I think second WandaVision is done. Um, Winter Soldier starts next week. <clears throat> so good. So it's just back-to-back now, which is awesome. Yeah, really cool. I think it's a great way of pumping those out doing it back to back because it's like oh you just finished wandavision now keep watching with falcon and winter soldier yeah for sure but uh yeah it's it's interesting we'll have to see where it goes Mm -hmm. one night in miami now let's let's get into the let's spend a night in miami uh so yeah this is regina king's directorial debut with the script written by former journalist turned screenwriter kemp powers yeah who also wrote the play he also wrote soul or co-wrote soul Oh, really? I didn't know that. Dude is on a roll this year. Yeah, I guess so. If his if he's nominated for two screenplays at the Oscar, that's just... That's, that's mad props. Shit. Mad props. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he's he kind of popped up out of nowhere, but he just had two huge movies this year, so I yeah. guess we're going to have to see where his career goes from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is based off of a play uh, written by Kemp Powers. Uh, it's based off... Which is based off of a true story of One Night Miami, where uh, our characters Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, uh, Cassius Clay, and Jim Brown met together. Um, It's so cool to imagine what these guys are talking about and imagine uh, what these great minds would have had to say to each other, and this movie is exactly that. Um, So just to list off our characters and our amazing actors, we've got Malcolm X, played by Kingsley Benadire, uh, Sam Cooke, played by Leslie Odom Jr., our boy from Hamilton, Aaron Burr. Um, Cassius Clay, or as most people know, Muhammad Ali, played by Eli Gorey. 
Um, and Jim Brown is played by Aldous Hodge. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Who was also in Invisible Man. Yeah, also Invisible Man. Didn't even realize until you mentioned it later. Spent the entire movie trying to find out where I knew this guy from. And then the movie ended. And I was like, oh, okay. Invisible there it Man. is. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, this is such a cool movie and such a cool premise because um, since this event actually happened and no one really knows what they talked about, it's so up in the air. Like, there's so much to work with and such great characters and people and minds to really work with to make this story what it is. Yeah. Um, and so I was blown away and I really want to read the play now. Um, right. Definitely. Be- I'm going to have to look up a PDF version online and just read the play. But yeah, there's this movie is like so good, so well done, and the actors, just phenomenal job. It's rare, and I, I mean, there are story arcs o- overshadowing, like certain characters have more to work with. Yeah. But it's rare where each actor in a movie just is like giving it their all and like killing it. Like mm-hmm. everybody aside, I mean, the, the script kind of shafts Jim Brown a bit. Yeah. But... I mean, like, the performances are all, like, mm-hmm. incredible. And, like, they're all pretty much at the same level for a lot of the movie. Like, the Cassius Clay's accent, I think that um, Eli does it so well. Like, yeah. it's spot on. Same with Malcolm X, too. Like, that accent, spot on. Um, and I also think that uh, Le- uh, Leslie Odom Jr. cast as Sam Cooke was a great choice. Yeah. He sounds... He doesn't sound exactly like Sam Cooke, uh, and it's hard to sound exactly like someone when you're singing, um, but he is very close, and he also has the vocal range to reach Sam Cooke's high notes and all that stuff, and so um, I really good casting. He also has like that charisma and personality that Sam Cooke always had, Yeah, and to the point where even though he doesn't exactly sound like him, he's just got that energy. Mm-hmm, exactly. And also... I've never seen a movie with Eli Gorey. I've never seen him in a movie. This is my first time seeing him playing Muhammad Ali, and it's amazing. Like, it's so good. It's so well done. I'm entirely unfamiliar with him, but I just clicked his Wikipedia page and found out that he grew up in Halifax, Nova Scotia. That's why CBC News was talking about this movie. Me and Natalie were trying to figure it out, and I just did not even pick him as the actor um that was from nova scotia that was dumb wow i mean i'm pretty unfamiliar with him as well i've seen um the tv show ballers which he is in but i haven't actually watched it Hmm. but yeah no i mean i just found that out that's cool to know that he's from where we're from hey he's in supernatural too yeah anywho he's Um, yeah he's great though i mean mm -hmm. i'm yeah i've never seen him in anything really or i've never really gotten to see him work with anything like what he's working with here yeah but yeah he, he's, he's awesome. He comes out swinging in more ways than one. And it's like, it's such a fine line for when, when you're playing, when you're an actor playing like real life people, mm. uh, it's important that it doesn't just entirely come across as impression yeah, or like impersonation. It really like, obviously you have to channel that energy of who they are, but you also want to, as an actor, give it your own flair of your own personality as well. And I think everybody in this movie does a really good job like, being who they're playing but mm-hmm. then also putting in moments of just like their own personality kind of shining through as well mm-hmm. like none of it really comes across as like them directly trying to mimic everything about them i i might have to disagree with you on that point really i think that um eli gory actually comes across a little bit more of a impersonation than i found the rest of them did here's here's what i have to say about that um as an actor, I find that when you have when you create a character or when you play a character that's in a play, like a character's already been created, you add your own flair to that character. I totally think that that's what happens. But when you play a real life person, I don't think you add your own flair. I think what you're trying to do is not in um, uh, uh, impersonate impersonate them. Thank you. I was gonna say intimidate. I was like, why? Um, impersonate them you don't try to impersonate them you try to almost get into the mentality of them so that uh it's not that you are trying to do their voice and trying to talk how they talk but you are influenced by the character the person like who they are what they did that influences you in the way you move the way you talk the way you act muhammad ali is this uh in the ring he was this butterfly sting like uh uh, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, that kind of thing. 
Um, and that comes through with his character. His character is totally the kind of guy who uh, dances around and prances and shows off all his colors. And then, but when he gets to the serious stuff, he stings like a bee. Yeah. Like, and so that comes through in his character. So when I see actors trying to be a real life person, I don't see them trying to impersonate them. I see them trying to relate to them so much that it comes through in the words they say and their physicality and their emotions yeah, and that where, kind of thing. where it just kind of translates into the energy that they have. Exactly. It's not that they're um, trying their best to do the best Muhammad Ali accent. They are trying their best to understand what Muhammad Ali is struggling with right now mm-hmm. and how that would affect him as a person. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, really random quick thing about Muhammad Ali. I didn't know that Will Smith played Muhammad Ali in 2001 and uh, got an Oscar for playing Muhammad Ali. I didn't know that either. I mean, I know um, Denzel Washington's played Malcolm yeah. in a movie, which is also incredible. But uh, yeah, I had no idea that Will Smith played Muhammad Ali. Who would have thought? Uh, I guess we'll have to watch that. See yeah. Because I, I didn't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think the characters here, too, are also just really amazing to have in one room together. Um, there are so many different dynamics that these characters bring to the table. Um, but I think one of the most interesting dynamics is how they're all kind of fighting for the same thing, but in their own different ways with Malcolm X fighting with his words, uh, Clay fighting with his fists, Cook with his music, and Jim's kind of fighting with his career. The way I see it is that Jim isn't fighting as much as Malcolm or any of the other characters. He's more fighting like the system where people think he needs his sports career to be successful. Like his sports career is what keeps him successful. You got to stay in that or you're done. Yeah. Um, but it's him. I see, I see him more as a character of like, he's not trying to prove any point. He's just trying to um, live his own life yeah. and let that be an example to others to show that uh, a black man in this time can do what he wants he can go from sports to a movie career, and he can just do that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think he's more fighting. He's less like at openly fighting uh, the system and more in the sidelines fighting the system. Yeah, just trying to prove that he isn't trapped in the box that he's been put in yeah. by, by like the sports career that he's had in his past. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it comes through in this where – uh, he's moving to movies, and at the end, he moves to movies and is like, okay, I guess it's the end of my football career. Yeah. And just completely gives it up, which is crazy. Um, but, yeah, it's I think it's really cool to see all these characters um, who are fighting for similar things in different ways have that be, like, their conflict. Like, obviously, with Sam and Malcolm, that is their conflict. Sam is not uh, fighting as openly with his words as much as Malcolm is, but in the background, um, Cook has that financial freedom. He is helping other people get that financial freedom, and um, he's working in different ways. Obviously not as intensely as Malcolm. Malcolm is our most intense character here. Um, He speaks with his words, and he believes what he says, and it's like that all the time. Yeah, very headstrong. Malcolm X was always like... Very passionate about everything he said, never went back on any of his words, you know? Exactly. Uh, yeah, whereas Sam Cook's kind of, he's kind of using the system to his advantage while also acknowledging that, like, he's being taken advantage of as a black mm-hmm. man in the music industry in the 60s. It's, it's totally the difference between him unknowingly going with the system and being like, oh, I'm making money off my songs, and it's... Um, Actually, he says the perfect line in the movie. He says, everyone wants a piece of the pie, but I want the goddamn recipe. Yeah. Like, that's exactly how it is. Um, He is not... uh, He's not being taken advantage of by the music company. He is taking the music company and taking advantage of it. Taking advantage of it. uh, Just like a white man would towards him. Yeah. So he's flipping it on its head um, in the background. Obviously, not everyone knows that, but Mm -hmm. Sam knows that. Yeah. Um, and that's what's important to him is that uh, the music career is not just using him as another pretty face. Like, he is doing good for him and other people. Like, when he brings that other guy on and sells the song rights to the Rolling Stones, and then that dude makes uh, so much money. Yeah, help, helping other black artists with the, with the sim- system that he is a part of. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I think that um, just like the way that these characters judge each other, for how they're acting 
comes directly from how they are acting in the world today. Malcolm judges everyone else for not speaking while he speaks. Cook judges everyone else for not using the economic system like he uses the economic system, and it goes on like that. And so I think it's it's so it's such an interesting dynamic because even though they're in the same fight and they're using their different ways, they can't come to an agreement. Yeah. And that, that is one of the things that's really interesting is like they are all fighting for the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're just using such different ways of going about it to the point where they're arguing about that because they all feel like, you know, maybe not they're doing more for the civil rights movement, but just arguing which is the best way to go about yeah, exactly. how they're doing it. Like yeah. who, who's got the best way essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it so fascinating to, to, to imagine what they would have talked about on this night because this was a real evening that happened in, in Miami where these – four men actually met up and and talked all night but we nobody really knows what they ever talked about what i wouldn't give to be a fly on that wall right that's actually exactly what ken power said he was like i just would have Mm. done anything to be a fly on the wall throughout that evening he's like that's like the he he described as that's the black avengers all in one room together literally like that is amazing that's insane imagine hearing what they have to say those amazing minds all in one room Maybe they just got in one room, and I like to imagine that they all got in one room, just got super high, and just like enjoyed their night. Yeah, um, maybe it was nothing like this. But if it w- was like this, it I, would be I, sick. I would, I would totally want to see it. I would totally want to be there. Um, there's like, I think another thing that I love about this movie too is just like the idea that this, these four guys who. No one knew that they become the legends that they are today. Um, just having like a normal conversation, like maybe it wasn't even anything this intense. Um, maybe it wasn't even anything this crazy. But the fact that they just got together at some point, like they were friends, they were pals, and they got together. It's so cool. That's like when um, you ever watch the Graham Norton show? Uh, a couple times here and there. Yeah, I love how Graham Norton has a bunch of different celebrities on at one time. Um, because it's so cool to see those different people from different things. You're like, oh, look, there's Han Solo right beside um, One Direction or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I feel you. And so it's it's cool to have those worlds collide, and especially in this context where no one knows what happened that night, and so we can kind of, uh, based on their character, their their personalities, who they are, we can interpret what might have happened what conversations might have stirred what um intense fights broke out it's it's really cool i'm i love it so much yeah another thing i love about the characters in this is the contrast between clay and jim because clay is just starting his boxing career like he is the new upcoming hotshot and jim is ready to to uh hang hang up the towel essentially uh, and so I find their interactions really cool because it's almost like a newcomer with an old timer, you know, even though it's not the same sport, um, as Clay's doing boxing and Jim's doing football, it's not the same sport, but it's kind of the same gimmick. Right. Like it's the fame. It's like, it's all that stuff, the fans, the money. Um, and so I love how Jim and Clay, uh, kind of contrast each other here as Clay is talking about all these new things in his life that are happening, and Jim's like, good luck, kid. I'm over it. Yeah. Um, I find their dynamic really interesting, and it's also great because compared to Cook and Malcolm, um, it's it's cool when Cook and Malcolm have these intense fights, and then Jim and Clay have these like sit-downs where they're like, hey, how's it going? Like when um, Jim and Clay are sitting... Uh, across from each other on the beds and then the guy comes in for the autographs the conversation they're having there about him joining um the nation of islam and uh becoming uh cassius x that kind of thing it's it feels like a very friendly conversation um because i feel like these two guys come from a very similar background and they kind of understand uh or at least jim understands where clay is in his life and so he's trying to give him some guidance yeah um, so I, I think that's one way that Jim is really utilized. His story is not as prevalent and intense as some of the other stories. Um, but he's a really good mediator. He's there for everyone. He calms them all down. He stops people from fighting, that kind of thing. And yeah. so, uh, I think he's a really good mediator. That was what I, yeah, that's what I was thinking too, is like, he 
doesn't have as much to do as the other three do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does serve as a perfect mediator for for everything that's going on between the rest of the cast. Exactly, because he he is essentially the oldest here, uh, or not oldest, but like he's at this point he's probably the most um, famous for his career. I mean, Malcolm X was probably really famous, but when we're talking about like career, as in like sp- the sports and the music and that kind of thing. Uh, he's probably been around the block the most. Yeah. He probably knows the most about everything. And so uh, it's cool to have him be the mediator because I feel like he almost understands everything, like a small part from everyone's life, you know? That's uh, – everybody in this movie too, like they all they all have this understanding. Mm-hmm. Even when they're going at each other, um, like Malcolm even says, he's just like, I'm hard at you because I know – I know, like you. Yeah. What is he? What's the line he says? He's I can't like, remember. Uh, I get this intense and mad with you guys because I know you have so much potential. And yeah. I see it. Yeah. And I don't want you to waste it. That kind of thing. Yeah. But so, like, there's this sense of understanding. Like, even when Malcolm is sitting here getting mad, like he understands where they're all coming from. He just sees so much potential in this room. Mm-hmm. And the same with you know Jim towards um, Cassius Clay, like and like vice versa. Yeah. There's just so much understanding going on between them yeah that's an interesting point you bring up because um there's a lot of moments where uh we can tell that one character's winning versus the other character or like there's these power dynamics but i found that there wasn't a single moment in the movie where i was like oh this character is clearly the lowest status they all felt at like very even status yeah um and maybe it's just because they're all so popular, and so they don't. Fe- it doesn't feel like one is a lower status than the other. They all feel like they're at the same, and I think that's good because um, the arguments that they have and the conversations they have, they aren't like putting each other down or building each other up or anything. Or not, they are building each other up, but they're never putting each other down. Yeah, they're never like, "You suck. Stop doing what you're doing." Malcolm does get a little intense. I'm not gonna lie. Malcolm calls Sam Cook a monkey. Um, yeah, which is ooh. Um, but it's, it's like, there's never a moment where you feel like one of the characters is lower than all the other ones. Everyone's kind of on even playing fields here. Yeah. And so I really like that too, about their dynamic. Yeah. Like, uh, about, about the even play playing field that you, that you said they, yeah, Malcolm definitely gets intense at moments. Yeah. And, and even Sam Cooke gets intense at moments, Mm -hmm. but it's still, even when they're incredibly uh, fired up and they're at each other's throats there's never this sense of of degrading until you mm-hmm. know like there maybe is it a couple moments here but like it's not like a a mean spirited thing it's you know going back to what malcolm said it's because there's so much he sees so much potential he wants the best for everyone in this room yeah exactly it never feels mean spirited i uh one thing i wanted to bring up too is there's a there's a line that clay says um about his boxing career he talks about boxing and um this is very true in wrestling as well uh, i think he says something along the lines of like uh people will pay a hundred dollars to see someone they hate get beat up in a boxing ring and it's so true because there are uh in like nowadays if we think about wwe and how ridiculous that is and over the top and like jokey it is there are characters who are just villains there's villains and there's heroes and that is what WWE is all about. Um, but people will pay $100 to see someone they absolutely hate get beat up in the ring. Or see someone they absolutely hate win. And then they're like, I have to go see the next fight because i got to see what happens. Someone's got to beat them. That's the whole world last night with Conor McGregor. Ooh. Oh, snap. Are we actually going to talk about this? Yeah, we are. Really quickly. Really quickly. Yeah. Conor McGregor, I don't like him. I hate him. I just don't like his pompous attitude. I get it's all a show. It's all a facade. Um, but I think it gets, for me, it gets cocky to a point where I just don't care for him anymore. I'm like, okay, man, shut up. Yeah. And the fact that he got beat up and knocked out in the second round last night. Yeah, after coming out of retirement for it. he gets. Because you cannot be a god forever. Eventually you will fall. Icarus flew too close to the sun and look at him now. There, there is something about McGregor's energy that just, just kind of pissed me off. Like Muhammad Ali carried himself in the same way, but it was like, 
It was awesome. He was enjoyable to watch. Conor McGregor, I'm like, dude, just just stop. It's it's the difference between Muhammad Ali being like, felt like a butterfly, sting like a bee, I'm the best, I'm the best, and then being like a normal person compared to Conor McGregor just being like, he's not saying he's the best. He's like, you bleep and bleep, 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 and bleep, 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 I'm gonna bleep, bleep, your bleep, bleep, and then like, it's horrible. Like, he does, he, there's no good side to him. He's just so full of himself. And that's what sells tickets. Yeah. See, look how fired up I just got about the fact that I hate Conor McGregor. <laughs> Which goes I, serves to your point exactly, that you're trying to make right now exactly. perfectly. So I, I think it's really interesting that Clay brings up that point because it's so true. Um, but also it's very uh, prevalent for like the time period that he's talking about. I mean, right now, it's not that people hate Muhammad Ali and his, um, his like attitude and all that stuff. At the time, they didn't like him because he was black, and that yeah. was the thing. And so, uh, as sad as it sounds, he thought that he could. Well, he tried to play into that. Like they don't like me as a black person. Fine, they won't like me as a boxer either. I'll be cocky. I'll be full of yeah. myself. That kind of thing. Um, and it's upsetting to see because uh, he's such a cool, awesome guy, and I love it, that end uh, scene where at that where they're at that bar. Um, afterwards, and he's like, I'll take them all on at once. I'll take on every single one of them. I don't care. I'm the best. It's great. Because yeah. everyone else there is like, he's like, who's going to take them on? You are. Who's the best? You are. It's great. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, it's it's so prevalent to the time because um, as today, in, in this day and age, we see WWE villains and we're like, Oh, I hate him. I hate him because uh, of his personality. Like Conor McGregor, uh, I hate him because his personality is like so full of himself. But back then it was about him being black. And so I think it speaks volumes. The fact that it's still a thing, but not in the context of this movie. And it could be totally brushed over as just like as someone who watches, maybe someone who watches WWE watches this movie and they're like, oh yeah, we do like to hate villains. But that's, it's not about the villain part. Yeah. It's about the fact that they don't like him because he's black. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that one line is super is super important because um, Muhammad Ali as a person was so – he, he's like full of himself but in a playful way. And so that's what I find uh, I love about him. And uh, it, it sucks that he had to going into this be like, okay, they're going to hate me. And it's got nothing to do with who I am or my personality. It's not something I can change. They're just going to hate me. Has to do entirely with them. It's totally them, their ideas and their views on my skin color. and I can't fix them. I just have to go play into this. Exactly. And mm. he does it and he makes money off it. And it's amazing. Um, it's upsetting that that is how he has to make his money. Um, but look at him now. We talk. We still talk about Muhammad Ali to this day. I mean, yeah. Everybody in this movie still is like exactly. Their names are constantly coming out of people's mouths. Like these are some of the most influential people, not just in Black history, but really just in history. Exactly. And so it's so it's so cool um, to see them even earlier in their career uh, talking about life and stuff. I mean, less for Malcolm X and Sam Cooke, um, but more for. I guess just Clay. Yeah. Just seeing Muhammad Ali early in his career where it's not like boxing and boxing and boxing and getting to hear what he has to think. I really like it. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at this cast of, of incredible performances, which one out of all these actors do you feel is the most standout? I, I think I have to go with Malcolm X because that those are the biggest shoes to fill here. Like they're no one else has a tougher job than Kingsley Benadire. Mm -hmm. Like Malcolm X was so, um, just the way he talked, the, his, his thought process. Like I absolutely love like these moments that, uh, he takes where he like takes off his glasses and just like pinches his temple or like or the bridge of his nose. I mean, and like it's, it is a sign of someone who, um, it, it their it's their brain where they're thinking like pinching the bridge of your nose i always think of that as like um someone who has so many thoughts going on um inside their head and so many things that they're pinching the bridge of their nose to hold it all back to 
um, be like, stop, stop. I need to think. I like everything's racing. I need a moment. Um, those little moments he takes are so well done. And even the intense speeches he gives, like that Bob Dylan comment that he gives to Sam Cooke. Uh, yeah, about blowing in the wind. Yeah. yeah. So it's so well done. And like it feels like Malcolm X is standing right there and telling Sam Cooke what's going on. Yeah. I think the Malcolm X becomes the most standout, not because I, I think he's the main character here. Um, yeah, he definitely does carry like uh, – and he carries the leading actor. Exactly. Spot pretty well. Not only because of that, but also with such big shoes to fill, he does it so well. Like it's so well done. Um, that being said, another standout role is totally Cassius Clay. Like um, – Eli's job in that movie, being that character, he does it so well. He embodies the physicality, the the accent, so well done. It's like it's spot on. Um, just like even in like the quiet, subtle moments, you don't see Muhammad Ali having introspective thoughts about religion and what if he's going to join the Nation of Islam. That is not something you normally see. So seeing it in this and having him like question all these things as muhammad ali so cool yeah. so well done seeing him struggle with with the transition to islam and, and becoming muhammad ali mm-hmm. is is really interesting because it's something we've never seen before we see cassius clay this you know i'm the best i'm the best and then we see him as muhammad ali and then that's kind of it that's just mm-hmm. always been his personality but to see him actually have these introspective moments of questioning who he is and, and where he wants to go in his life is is really interesting. Yeah. Um, who who stands out most for you? Um, see, I definitely have to agree with you about Malcolm as or King Kingsley Benadir as Malcolm. I think it is big shoes to fill, especially when Malcolm has been done on screen with Denzel Washington. Yeah. Am- amazing. Like mm-hmm. he, he absolutely bodied that. That's a, still a great movie. It still holds up. Yeah. So it's hard to be like, okay, why do we need another Malcolm performance? But the thing is, Kingsley Benadir has a lot more subtleties to how he plays him. Mm-hmm. He he's the Malcolm that everybody knows, but he also he has a bit more nuance to him, a bit yeah. more introspectiveness to him, mm-hmm. and and it's definitely a tough performance, but it's one that he pulls off very well. But for me, I think uh, honestly, I think Leslie Odom Jr. Odom Jr. as as Sam Cooke is the biggest one for me. Mm-hmm. I, I think the charisma and pure energy that he he gives off and i i've liked sam's cook sam cook's music for a very long time now mm-hmm. and, he, and he just absolutely nails that and all the all the moments where he's singing like like you had mentioned earlier he doesn't sound exactly like him but it still feels like sam cook yeah it's it's really close he does a good job at almost like nailing that yeah i can't stop listening to take me down easy like that 48 second like hampton house version of take me down I Easy. Know. That so good so good um there's like some amazing performances and i think just like the one last thing i want to say about these characters is i think it's so interesting that this play um decided to take all these characters out of their element and put them in this one hotel room that is so well done because we have seen movies about muhammad ali being a boxer we've seen malcolm x speaking and talking and all this stuff. We have not seen these characters hang out as friends and have a conversation. And struggle with deep feelings and everything. Exactly. And so I think it's it's so cool. I really need to read this play. Um, and I, I do not know how uh, Kent Powers made that happen. I know. I, every line of dialogue mind? in this just hits like so mm-hmm. well. It's just it's such a big task for a movie like this that is pretty much purely dialogue-based. It matters that the script works. If the script doesn't work for something like this, it it doesn't work. Exactly. And Kent Powers does more than make it work. Like he really drives home like every aspect of this of the script for this movie. I think it's mm-hmm. it's incredible. Um, speaking of it being a play, uh, I've I've I think I've realized that some of my favorite forms of media is going to start being plays that get adapted into movies. Mm-hmm. I really like it. I loved Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I loved One Night in Miami. Um, it is such a smart thing to do because the thing about plays and movies is they feel similar. 
the difference really being that uh, in a movie you gain a lot more when it comes to camera work or editing or uh, costumes, set design, all this stuff. You have way more possibility when it comes to that. But when you're in a play, the thing that you don't get from a movie is the energy, the experience, what's happening in that room. Every single time a play happens, it will not be the same as the night before. It could be the tiniest thing. Maybe somebody drops uh, something on the ground. Maybe somebody uh, takes a couple few extra steps. It, it, it might not even be noticeable to the audience, but there is a different energy every single time you watch a play, no matter how many times you watch it. And so I think that this movie does a really good job at capturing that energy um, and placing it into this movie setting and using their the tools that they have to their advantage. Um, but I'm really interested to see what this would be as a play because um, if you didn't know, this movie, they added a bit of filler at the beginning and the end. Um, so that entire section where we see, we actually see Muhammad Ali's fight and the entire uh, couple shots at the end where we see what happens to the characters afterwards, those don't, I don't think those exist in the play. I could be wrong, but I don't believe they do. Just starts the second they get to Hampton House? It could be, the ending might, the ending might exist. Um, but it kind of just starts where Sam Cooke shows up at the hotel room. And so I think that it's important that we get this extra, this extra filler at the beginning is very important because it sets up everything like a movie would. That's what I was going to say too, is that all that stuff in the first act and towards the ending really do help to lend it just a little bit more of that cinematic movie feel. Because you can't, um... In a play, you can't really do the jumpiness that they do. They jump from each character's lives. But when it comes to the movie, it's great for the audience to get that um, get that background before we really jump into it, really dive into it, because we see where our characters are at, and then we're right into it. Um, but I personally think that this movie is probably better as a play. I haven't read the play. I haven't seen the play. Um but it's this movie is very monologue driven uh we just get a lot of monologues with two characters talking about something or two characters having an argument that kind of thing and the other two are just kind of hanging out um i feel like staged that would look really cool having these characters two characters argue other characters in the background just like move around do things it works in the movie but not as well as i think it would on stage and my reasoning behind that is just because uh, in a movie, the thing is, is you have all that access. There's a there's a thing we talk about in theater where it's almost better to have constraints than it is to have complete freedom. Because when you have complete freedom, there's no direction. But when you have constraints, you know the things you can't do, and it sh- and you're like, okay, I can do this. So what can I do with this? You know. Um, so for example. A great scene in the movie is when uh, all the guys are in the hotel room, they're arguing, and Jim goes to the bathroom, and we get shots from Jim in the bathroom to what's happening in the outer room, and we can hear the conversation happening the entire time. But imagine on a stage, if we don't have to switch back and forth, we see it all happening at once. We see the conversation in the bedroom talking about Jim, and we see Jim in the bathroom hearing this at the same time, um, processing the emotions all at once. Um, there's there's a different energy to that. And I think that this movie tries to capture that, and it does an okay job at it. But it, it's not the same as a play. Right, the energy that it would have on stage. Exactly. And, and the things you can do with that as well. Like... Um, for example, I watched this with my girlfriend, and she said, I bet if this was staged, uh, a cool way to do that would have the sink facing the audience so that there's no mirror there. Uh, Jim is just looking out towards the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you like are head-on with Jim. You see his face. You see every little bit of emotion on there. And uh, I think that would have been really cool to see. I mean, you do see it in the movie still, but not all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, and so 
I I think this would probably be a little bit better as a play just because it is so contained and there's so many long monologues and there were points where I kind of got lost um, and was like, okay, where's the where's the, where are we going here now? Like we would be in the middle of a conversation uh, argument and I'd be like, okay, what's the point to this? Really? I'm yeah. Confused. I never I never felt that way, but I I see what you mean. Yeah, I think it was just it was just because of the super long monologues, and I I had a similar issue in parts of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, but less so because I feel like there was more interaction between the four bandmates compared to this, where it's always just two characters arguing, right? Like back and forth, yeah. And a lot of the times, it's just one character yelling at the other one, and yeah, the other well, one's just taking it, yeah, very silently. Uh huh. And so there's a lot of things that I think work better for this movie that couldn't happen in the play like getting to see the miami skyline with those fireworks shooting off when they go up to the roof so cool such a good sequence when they're up there yeah but at the same time you would get you could probably get the same thing on stage if the characters actually face the back of the stage and you project fireworks on the back of the stage with the skyline yeah you know um what what do you feel makes a good adaptation of a play to a movie like what do you feel is most essential when you're converting a a stage play to a film i think when you convert a stage play to the film you have to always keep in mind that it was at one time a stage play because writers write movies to be movies and playwrights write playwrights to be plays so if you take a play and put it as a movie and you think, oh, we can just adapt everything to make it feel like a movie, it's not going to have the same emotional weight. There are so many small things that directors put, or writers put into their movies, or into their plays. Jeez, this is going to get really confusing. There are so many little specific things that writers put into their plays um, that have weight and and uh, importance that if you just brush over in a movie, uh, that importance is gone. Uh for example, in Ma Rainey, um, we see the knife that Chadwick's character has early on. Um, and it alludes to the fact that when are we going to see that knife again? Yeah. It, it brings that up. Like, you wouldn't show a knife if you weren't going to use it later, right? Um, and so they do a really good job at showing it and then using it later, exactly like the play should. Um but compare like compare that to we don't even get shown the knife at the beginning and then the dude gets stabbed at the end and we're like whoa where did that come from mm-hmm. you know when we see that knife first we know that something has to happen um it's almost it it harks back to i'm doing my device theater stuff right now and um in our scene we're talking about a plan and somebody brought up the point that uh if you explain the entirety of a plan it has to go wrong it can't go right um, because that's how movies work. And that's how everything works. Yeah, there needs to be some sort of conflict that can pop up. So when you fo- when you fully explain what's going to happen, it can't work out as you have set it up. Exactly. Yeah. The only way it does work out is something that was not said happens. You know, um, and so I think there are so many little things that um, directors have to remember when they're taking plays and adapting them to movies because the weight of characters and the things they do and the motions that they that happen um can easily get brushed over in a movie um so there are there's a lot of importance to remembering that it is a play in the first place yeah i think one night in miami really does manage to to convert to a movie to really great effect like it really it still maintains that long monologue and contained setting that the play has yeah but like it really utilizes camera and in blocking mm. and, and power dynamics of when people are talking to, to a great effect that kind of lends it more of a cinematic quality. So I think it does make the conversion to movie very well. Mm. Uh, but what would you say doesn't convert well from the play? Is it for you mainly like the, uh, the beginning act and the final act there? Yeah, I think so. Um, and it, it's it's hard in general when especially when you have a play like that where it's all conversation just back and forth. I know you love movies that are just all conversation. I love that. Yeah, you are. I, I totally get that. Um, but when you go from a play to a movie and you keep that kind of like constant conversation, it's harder to get people in a movie to sit and listen to a monologue than it is in a play. 
because you expect it in plays. In plays, you expect monologues. Um, and so I don't think – I think One Night Miami does it really well, like you said, with a blocking. Blocking is so important, having your characters move around. Um, there's a, a game we play in acting class um, called Lying, Sitting, Standing, um, and you essentially act out a scene – with three people, one of you has to be sitting at all times, one of you has to be standing, and one of you has to be lying down. So, like, if the person lying down stands up, the person standing up has to lie down. Um, and so it's it just talks about levels and blocking and having those dynamics. And I think this movie does it well. Um, uh, I maybe would have liked a little bit bigger of a hotel room, or maybe one, or maybe a hotel room that didn't feel uh, as sectioned off like it felt like there was the area with the two beds the bathroom and the kitchen like they felt like three different sections Mm -hmm. maybe if it was a bit more open and um things didn't feel as claustrophobic uh it would have been a little different for me but i think they do a good job i think the one thing that doesn't work like you said for me personally is the beginning Less the end, but mostly the beginning. Yeah. And it's only because the beginning feels like a movie. And that makes sense. It is a movie. Um, it's it's important for us to feel that way going into this because once we get into play territory, it feels a little different. But that's the thing. You just feel there's kind of like a, a tonal shift. From, exactly. From when it's a movie and when it's a play. Because when it's a movie, it feels like a movie. It's exciting. It's punchy. It's fun. It's... Um, like that whole fight sequence, uh, is so fun. Um, when he starts yelling out, Clay starts yelling out at like Sam Cook and Malcolm X and yeah, uh, Jim yeah. Brown. It's like they're right there. Yeah, it's so much fun, right? But then we transition to this hotel room and monologues and intensity, and not that it doesn't work. It does work. But for me, I just found that shift. Um made the beginning feel not important a little a little like isolated exactly it's it's isolated it's different and that's because it's not in the play the play starts when sam enters the hotel room yeah and so i almost felt it start there um and i i was i it was this weird tonal shift where i was like oh i didn't really like that um but at the same time i think that Everything else, they do a really good job at. Yeah. Um, this is an amazing adaptation of this play, and I just, I love it. I love this entire conversation that's happening. It's just the beginning feels too much like a movie, and the middle feels too much like a play, where when you put them together, they there's, there's a difference. There's a stark difference that you can find. It just kind of stands out a bit to you. Yeah, to me, personally. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I don't feel it as much, but I also don't know plays as much as you mm-hmm. right like i'm kind of unfamiliar with that so i just embrace it as a movie and and i do think it's one of those things where if you know it's a play you feel that a bit more where yeah. if you kind of just go into it like oh it's uh, one night in miami a movie mm-hmm. then it doesn't really stand out that much but i absolutely see where you're coming from yeah it's exactly like when we watched ma rainey we didn't know it was a play until like halfway through the movie yeah and we were like whoa this is a this is a really interesting monologue heavy movie i kind of like it um but then you learn that it's a play and so I think if you know that it's a play, you can find where the play happens, yeah. where it starts. Yeah. Um, because it's very clear, in my opinion. It's crazy to see uh, how the issues and things addressed in this movie are just still so incredibly relevant today. It's like when we talked mm-hmm. about uh, Do the Right Thing. Yeah. And just how abs- like how it still remains so intense and, and relevant. Like This takes place during the 60s, but almost everything that's getting brought up still hits mm-hmm. in, in 2021. And, you know, for lack of a better wording, it's like Sam Cooke said, change is going to come and we're still waiting on that. Yeah. Which leads me into into the ending. I Really quickly, I just actually want to touch on um, what you're saying there. Yeah, I, I think it. it's I think it's so true. And I think there's so many things we can hear from each of these characters and take with us and really understand. For example, um, Malcolm X, he fought with his words. He spoke. He uh, said something and that is such a great way to do something about if you are upset about um, the Black Lives Matter movement that's going on or if you're upset about uh, something that is happening in your community or in your family or anything 
your voice is such a strong way to speak. Yeah, fighting with your words is like one of the most powerful ways to fight. Exactly. Fighting with your words is a powerful way to fight. Fighting with uh, using your uh, person, not your personality, um, using your uh, social media presence or things like that, things that give you high status, just as Clay is um, has such a high status as a boxer and then joins the Nation of Islam. And like, uh, he can use that status to say important things. And same with Jim. Jim is like the same way. Um, but then you've also got Sam Cooke who speaks with his voice in a different way. He sings. He... Um, he makes you understand through music. He makes you feel through music. And so I think that these are not only amazing tactics and great ways to get your voice out there, uh, to talk about opinions or issues that you are really interested in and really struggling with, but I think it's also a great way for you to learn mm-hmm. um, by constantly listening to new things, constantly hearing different people's ideas, opinions. Um, there are so many ways that we as a society and we as people can really bring that change, that change that's going to come. We can do that by not only saying what we, we need to say, but also listening to everyone else. Yeah. Because you can talk all you want, but if you don't listen, no one's going to listen to you. Yeah. And so. I mean, now more than ever, especially with this year, uh, really showcases the power of fighting things with, with your voice. Exactly. And and that's why this movie is so relevant is like what Malcolm X was fighting is the exact same thing that the whole world and the black community are in particular like are fighting now still. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's I mean, it's it sucks that it's still relevant. Yeah, I think we said that in our do the right thing episode as well. It's and, it's awful that it's still relevant and we still have to be like uh, this stuff was dumb. I, I find it stupid that we still have to say that racism is dumb. I feel like we know that and we should be smarter, but we are not. We should, yeah. And that's the, that's the part that sucks. As a society, there's just too many, too many assholes out there. Too man. many stupid people out there <laughs> yeah. who just can't get it Ignorant. through their thick skulls. Yeah. Um, their impenetrable skulls. And, and that's like, you know, Sam Cooke saying change is going to come once live yeah. before he was, before he was murdered. And that's one of the things about this movie and what makes that ending hit hit so emotional mm-hmm. is knowing that Malcolm and Sam Cooke were both killed at the ending of this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. And well, not the ending of this year. The ending of the year in the movie. Yeah. Not, not, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that ending is, in particular, it's a moment between Sam Cooke and Malcolm, which I feel like they're – like Malcolm and Sam Cooke, their storylines – collide the most yeah it's that is definitely the main storyline yeah and as evident by the ending yeah um not to say that it outshines any of the storylines i think the malcolm and clay storyline is also really important especially for malcolm's character but i think that the malcolm and sam storyline just it almost it's not that it takes over but it's just the most intense and thought-provoking yeah and it 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 is used so much to tie into other people's storylines too. And I also really love um, another scene I want to mention is I love that uh, moment where Malcolm takes time to tell that story about Sam performing in Boston. I um, do love that sequence. I've seen some people pointing out that they weren't a fan of how it like is how like how it draws you out of the motel mm-hmm. for so long. But I think that's a great sequence. I think it's important. It is so important to Sam and Malcolm's character because if if Malcolm did not say that he came to those shows, I think that Sam and Malcolm would have never talked after that. And Sam would not have been changed by what Malcolm said and he would not have sung that song. Mm-hmm. Even though, obviously, that's probably not what happened. Just we an interpretation no of how history could have played out. But. Yeah, exactly. But it, it works so well in the scene because... Um, while Malcolm's saying all these th- all these things to Sam throughout this entire movie, you can see in Sam's eyes he's upset because he does not think if his friend cares about him. Mm-hmm. But the real point is, is that Malcolm cares about them so much that that is why he's being so mean. And the fact that he came to five of Sam's cook shows without Sam even knowing about it, he didn't know about any of them. But that Boston one, so cool because it shows the power of music and how sam's tool is music he 
um, in a moment where he was about to get booed off stage and was getting stuff thrown at him, he took everything in that moment and said, okay, I can work with this. And he stomped with an audience and sang a song and half of them couldn't hear it because the stomps and the claps are so loud, but that didn't matter. It was the energy in the room. It was the passion. It was the drive. And so um, I love how it's shown there because it's um, it's Sam understanding that Malcolm is not talking from a point where he thinks he is better than him. Malcolm is talking from a point where he is at the same level as him. He is his friend, and he loves what he's doing. But he, but Malcolm's just saying that he could do more. Yeah. And the thing is, it's hard because Malcolm is such a prevalent figure who is constantly out there talking and speaking and doing what's right that it's hard to live up to that to compare to that to be like malcolm x told me that i'm not doing enough how do i do more than malcolm x yeah you know um and so i think that moment's really important because it brings their friendship to an understanding where it's like okay malcolm's not just yelling at me and telling me that i'm not doing anything He's yelling at me and telling me, hey, you can do something. You have a voice. You have a tool. Use it. So I think it I think it brings Sam's character around to then be like, I have to perform this song on this TV show. Yeah. And I mean, that song is just an absolute masterpiece. I was born. <laughs> back, back to the very beginning. By the river. Oh. I, I think Sam Cooke is, you know... Uh, he was one of the greatest musicians of his time, mm-hmm. uh, tragically cut short. And as I had mentioned, the fact that he, you know, only ever got to play this song, which is widely argued as his most important song, mm-hmm. the fact that he only got to play it once. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the time that they showcase in this movie when he played it on that, on the TV show. Only time. It's the only time he ever performed it. Didn't ever get mm-hmm. to do it uh, live. And I just think a change is going to come is pretty much the message of the, of the movie. Yeah, exactly. And is still incredibly relevant. That song is still incredibly relevant. And that ending is just very powerful. It's so powerful. And it's 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 intense to watch um, Malcolm X car- rush his family out of his house with an AK in his hand because oh, yeah, somebody threw a Molotov in it and burned it down. Mm-hmm. That's intense to watch. Um, it is it is It is like almost heartbreaking to see... Uh, Muhammad Ali be brought into the Nation of Islam and not see Malcolm X there beside him, not yeah. see his friend there beside him. Um, it's, I mean, it's not really heartbreaking to see Jim Brown stop being an NFL player and start being an actor. Yeah. But it's still like, it's it's marking a point of change in his life. Um, I think this song has so many meanings where A, change is going to come. There, it's, I think that Sam Cooke is talking about the future and how there will one day be a day where racism does not exist. That we all live on this earth as people, as humans, and race is not something that divides us. But I also think he is talking about in that day and age. Um, when he said, and change gonna come, he said that because he knew his friends were going to bring that change. Yeah. He was going to bring that change. There were people that were going to bring that change. Whether it was the be-all, end-all change, we don't know. Yeah. Well, he didn't know. Um, but he knew that change was gonna come some way, somehow. Yeah, in some way, shape, or form, not determined in any specific matter but like it it will happen exactly whether it's voices of of people coming together and and bringing that change or whether it's you know a different version of that exactly it's still gonna happen in some way yeah and so just as like some final thoughts about the movie i think it is there's a lot that this movie is saying obviously these are great minds these are great people um there is so much that is being talked about in this movie and if you want to really hear what they're talking about, watch the movie again. Um, like, really dive into the research on who these people were. What causes were they fighting for? Like, where were they at this time in their career? Like, if you really want to hear about that, dive in deep because there's so much to dive into. There's so much there, and it's it's so important to our history as not only as people but as human beings Mm -hmm. uh and so i think that this movie 
is not trying to uh, push an agenda on you, is not trying to change your mind on something. I think it's trying to say that um, there are many ways to fight for one cause, so keep on fighting. Like, fight in the way that works for you. Fight in the way that you can fight in because there are other people who fight in other ways better. There are people who are leaders. There are people who are followers. Um, there are people who sit on the sidelines and help everyone else out. Um, but you find your way that you are going to make, bring that change and you stick with it and you push through um, because it will not be easy. As we clearly see from this movie, it will not be easy. It'll probably be the hardest thing you do. But it is important for you to use the voice that you have, the weapon that you have, and use it to fight the power. I don't know why I just went. You got to fight the power. That I'm back to. I'm back to do the right thing. You brought up <laughs> do the right thing and fight the again. power pots in my head. Um, but if I had to rate this movie, I'd give it a four. This is this is a four point five for me because I just actually feel... I give it a four point five. Really? You at the beginning you were like, I think it's a four. I think it's a four. But, but talking now, about it has, has talking about it, I think I give it a four point five. Yeah. I think it's it's a very powerful movie and you know, obviously we'll never know what really went down that night, what they really talked about, but this interpretation of it is is very moving. So well done. Yeah, it's incredibly well done. And in a year where at the beginning of this year everybody was like, The Oscars are gonna look pretty grim this year. No, they're not. This no. is gonna be this is gonna be a crazy year at the Oscars, and I know I bring it up at the ending of pretty much every episode in the last few months, but it's because there has been a lot of really good movies to come out this year. Yeah, and watching what I think is gonna win or what I've determined the list to look like constantly get changed by new movies that I see. Like this is definitely getting a original screenplay nomination. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um. Kingsley Benadir is definitely getting a Best Leading Actor nomination. Mm -hmm. And I think Leslie Odom Jr. is going to get a supporting. But we'll have to see. And maybe Regina King is going to get a directorial. Who we'll, knows? We'll have to see. But, I mean, it's just so interesting, the fact that every time I decide what my list looks like for Best <laughs> it Picture, changes. it gets knocked out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this has definitely got some, some chances this year at the Oscars. Yeah, but this is an amazing movie. Check it out. Uh, but thank you so much for hearing our opinions on... Uh, One Night in Miami. If you want to check out our other episodes, you can find us all over Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, you can also check out our Instagram. It's at the Dive in Movie Cast. We got a bunch of movie news, all that good stuff on there. You know, you can also check out our individual Instagrams. I'm at Wesley Giffen. I am at Hayden Kutras, and it is the same names on our letterbox. So if you want to see our movie reviews, go check that out. Um, but as always, we are the Dive in Movie Cast, and we'll see you guys next time.